Two weeks ago, we, we started a, a little mini-series uh, called Words, and um, it's just two weeks long, but we interrupted it so that last week I, could, I had the opportunity uh, to practice um, bringing the, the, the word that I was going to be bringing into a workshop that actually happened yesterday uh, for the youth of our district. So uh, we took a little break from that, and by the way, thank you for your prayers, and um, thank you for being the listening ear that let me process through. Uh, that, that subject matter, and for those curious and weren't here, the subject matter was asking the question, what does it really mean to follow Jesus every single day? Um, and I just, I just really felt like that was holy ground to stand in front of youth and talk about, like, what, is, what does it really mean to follow Jesus every day? How is he relevant to our everyday life? Um, it went well. It went well. It was actually a, a nice, um, small, intimate group that I got to just sit with and chat with and just process this process things uh, through with, and so there was actually dialogue, there was, there was engagement, there was conversation that was taking place. Um, so again, thank you for your, your prayers um, in that space. Back to the, the sermon series at hand, um, two, like I said, two weeks, um, looking over the book of James. James, who um, was the brother of Jesus, is super practical in how he writes. Um, in a lot of ways, he comes across as very straightforward, um, and man, I have always had such a high affection uh, for the book of James, and, and honestly, kind of connecting it to our talk last week. Like, it's just this very real, like, our everyday faith matters, and, and our faith in God is meant to get infused into every part of our lives. And, and one of the major points that he emphasizes is our words. And as you look over, if you were to stop and read over the book of James, you would find constantly him reflecting on the power of our words and the immense respect that we should carry for, the word, for our words. Uh, this morning, we're going to be um, visiting James chapter 3, and I've, I've titled this morning's message, You've Got a Way with Words. Um, when Larissa and I started dating, uh, she introduced me uh, to NPR. I had no idea that this radio station existed. I didn't know that the, that the dial on my radio went all the way to the, to, to the left, yeah, to the very beginning, like 88 point or 89 point, whatever. And it was just so intriguing to me, like getting in the car with her and just hear people talking and going, this is what you listen to <laughs> on your ride. This is what you listen to on your drives. And, and it introduced, got introduced to all these different NPR uh, radio programs. One of our favorites has, has become Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Um, the NPR News Quiz. I, I have fallen in love uh, with these, just like nerding out on, on news stories and quizzes. And um, one of the, the other programs that we would listen to, we haven't listened to it in, in a little while now, um, is this radio program. And it's actually based here in San Diego. It's recorded in San Diego. It's called Away With Words. Anyone listen to Away With Words? Yes. Hello, NPR. Do you guys have NPR like mugs and stuff? Is, are we that type? No? <laughs> we do, we're not quite N, NPR member license plate holders yet. Um, 
This is the way that, in, that Away With Words describes their own show. It's an upbeat and lively public radio show and podcast about language examined through family history and culture. Language debates, variations, and evolution, as well as new words, old sayings, slang, family expressions, word histories, etymology, linguistics, regional dialects, word, word games, grammar books, literature, writing, and more. And it's just a, it's just a radio program about the, the fun behind words, about the origin of words or sayings or, you know, just to help you know if you're ever in the South and someone says, bless your heart, that it's not a compliment, right? Like, it's just a, it's just a great program to interact with and, and to discover that so many different cultures have a different way with their words. And, and as, as, we, as we look at the book of James, I think that what he's advocating for us is, is as, the, as followers of Christ, there is meant to be a way with our words. There's something to be said about the culture of, of who we are and how it gets expressed in our words. And much more than that there are certain phrases that we should have, much more than, than there's a certain vocabulary that we should have, but, but like Jesus reflects that it is out of the overflow of our heart the mouth speaks. It's much more to be this place of recognizing there's meant to be this underlying way about us. There's meant to be a who we are that gets expressed in our words. There, we, we are meant to have a way behind our words. Let's read James chapter 3. I am, yes, I am reading from the New Living Translation. So if you've got the Bible app, you're able to uh, select your translation there. NLT uh, might be how it shows up there as well. Uh, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, rest, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh and bitter, fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. 
If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Forever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James 3, I believe, captures this message for us, that there's meant to be a way to our words. There's meant to be an underlying posture and way of being to how we speak. And James 3, looking specifically here at the first part of it, in in verses 3 through 12, captures this thought. For anyone that is going to teach others about following Jesus should have an incredible respect for the power of their words. If you're going to teach, if you're going to use your words for good, if you're going to use your words to glorify and praise God, then be mindful of the power of your words. You're going to instruct people how to live, realize that you make mistakes. You're going to use your words to encourage and help, respect the damage your words can cause. You're going to use your words to glorify God, Acknowledge how you speak about and to people. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not a teacher, and I have no desire to be a teacher. Then, uh, yeah, you're off the hook. No problem. <laughs> no, right? James chapter 3 is this, is this message to, to the whole church about how we understand the culture in which we instruct one another in the way of the Lord. You'll notice the way that that right after verse 1, the way that James opens it up for all of us. He opens it up by saying, listen, we all make mistakes. If we could control our tongues, no one can control our tongues. And so James chapter 3 isn't merely a message to the teachers in the church, but it's a message to the whole church that we're mindful of as followers of Jesus. James' instruction to us sets up an expectation for the body of Christ. We are not just about giving information to one another, but we are about the formation of our hearts hearts. We we care that a transformative work is happening in us. And if we are going to encourage one another in the following of Jesus, then we are meant to embody what we're encouraging others in. If our words are going to help demonstrate and, and teach people the way of humility, then what we hope for is that the way of humility gets deep inside of us. 
Because if we are going to introduce and influence people towards Jesus, then we, then we can't do so with a language that is filled with arrogance or selfishness or a harshness to it. But let's talk specifically about the temptations of teachers in a community. Right? James starts off, like, not, not all of us should be tasked with, with, the, with the role of being teachers. Um, and, and, and I've been thinking about this because I, I imagine that for teachers, especially those that are going to be instructing others in the way of Jesus, that you're going to have this temptation to arrive in a way that you have everything all figured out. Right? That, that you're going to have this temptation that, that, that shows up and, and feels the pressure of being charismatic and authoritative. And I think that that's what, what we find is so often is that's what we want from those that are leading us and instructing us. I heard one pastor reflect on it. That they were told in seminary that if you're 51% sure about something, preach it as if you are 100% sure. And I think that's a lot of times the, the temptation that we fall under is that you want to get up in front of people and just like, like yes, this is the way it is, and, and you show up, and, and like the, there's not this, this inkling of, of doubt or wrestling that's happening there in, in, uh, in your own heart. And I just that, I so appreciated when that pastor was reflecting on it and saying, like, why not just show up and tell people, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And when James writes to the church here, I think what he's doing is he's trying to get an ethos to get into the church, is that the teachers, when you get up and you dialogue and, and you talk about the way of Jesus, that you do so in a posture that allows people to see that the way of Jesus is about the way of God meeting us in our weaknesses. And, and I'll, you know, I'll be honest, in my own space, in my own life, every Sunday has this pressure to it that I have to die to every single Sunday. And, and the pressure that I feel in my own heart, not from you guys, is be entertaining. Because I, because people don't like to be bored, <laughs> right? Like, and, and if we think about it, the spaces that we go to and the spaces that we want to be in, and like when we choose what movie we're going to watch or what we're going to find in Netflix or whatever we're going to like sit and engage with, we don't want to be bored, right? We don't, we, we want to be we want to be engaged. We want to enjoy that space. And so I know in my own life, it's like I, I, I wrestle with messages and standing up here and saying, like, there's just this feeling of, like, be impressive and be entertaining. And then you read something like James chapter 3, and you find him really, I think, advocating for people to show up and be weak and humble to show up and, and say, we all make mistakes. And our words have caused damage. And there, has been incons uh, there have been inconsistencies in how I have glorified God and talked to and about people. 
And, and like James, I, I think, is hoping for the church to understand that the power and the influence and the dynamic movement that ha is happening amongst us is that our words allow us to see one another's weaknesses. And that our words allow for us to be vulnerable and honest and real and open and transparent with one another. Like that's the way that we're supposed to arrive amongst each other. And if we're gonna teach one another and influence one another in the way of Jesus, then it's not gonna be about being impressive. It's not gonna be about arrogance or boasting like James writes about, but it's gonna be about being pure and true and humble and good. I came across this quote from, um, from a book that I absolutely recommend. It's called The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. And, and they reflected on it this way. We must give ourselves to the everyday and ordinary practice of being known in our weaknesses and loving others in their weaknesses. And they followed it up in the book with a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer and says, what may appear weak and trifling to us may be great and glorious to God. One of the things that we occasionally do as a pastoral team is walk through, and some of you have learned um, this tool from emo the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. Um, it's called the Community Temperature Reading. And uh, we do this as, as a, pastoral, a pastoral team because what we're hoping to cultivate with one another is an environment where we share with each other the, the points of pain um, that we're going through in our lives or our hopes and dreams or just general and new information about us. And I just was reflecting on this in James chapter three and it just being this space in which we recognize that the way that we arrive with one another is that we desire to be a people that, are, that, are, that know others and are known by others. That we arrive and if we're gonna influence and teach each other towards the way of Jesus, um, then it's gonna be a space in which we show up and say, this is who I am, um, and this is what I'm going through in life, and this is what I'm, I'm walking and wrestling with. Can I walk you guys through a community temperature reading? I, I think that it, it's just this really cool tool that, again, that we use with one another. Larissa and I have just used it in our own uh, spaces and lives with one another, and it becomes this, this, this uh, conversational place in which we get to know each other, like which we get to know what each other are walking through and with the weights that we're carrying or the concerns or puzzles that are going on in our lives. Um, the first one, you start on the bottom and you move your way up. So it kind of, uh, I'll go through each one as, for example, it starts off with appreciations or excitements. Um, you would use words like, I'm excited that or I appreciate. I was thinking about it this morning. Honestly, I'm, I, I really appreciate that God has gifted us a multi-generational community. Um, I, I am so um, grateful that every single Sunday I get to talk to retired folk and, and get to hear how God is moving in their lives and the way that they get to, um, the things that they've been up to in their past week and the different places that they've served or just like they've sat 
and at the beach and watched the sunrise, <laughs> and they prayed. And just to be able to hear about that space, it just has been, um, has been such a gift for me to hear what, it, what it's like to delight in God um, and that value and worth isn't based in work and what we can produce. Um, worries, concerns, or puzzles. You would say something, I'm worried that, or I'm puzzled about this. Um, it, our backyard flooded uh, this past week because of all the rain that was taking place. Um, and I'm, right now, one of the things that's occupying my mind is that there is water that seeped under our house and that spilled into our garage. And Obviously, like, that's, like, foundational type stuff, and it just causes, like, those spikes of anxiousness of, like, ugh, if we, what, what are we going to uncover in that space? And the church council is sitting in this space right now going, that's the church parsonage. We should probably talk about that. It's on the agenda for this coming Tuesday. Um, <laughs> but my own, but, but there's more to it than that. Like, my underlying worry is... Um, living in that tension in that space of being the pastor of the church and coming before the church council and saying there's a potential need for the church to spend money on where I live and I need to process that in my own life and space. And so I'm worried about that, like that occupies my heart. Um, complaints and possible solutions. Uh, you get to walk through with one another as a team, as a, in your relationships with people. I know you use a phrase like "I notice this" and "I prefer this." Um, I'll use much more kind of just like surface level stuff in this one. Um, in in our home, I notice that uh, shoes are being left at the front door, which by the way, I know we're hosting you guys in a few weeks, I'm totally fine with people keeping their shoes on or taking their shoes off, that's totally fine. But what I noticed is that uh, there are members of the household, including and very specifically me, that take off a pair of shoes, leave it at the doorway, and then put on another pair of shoes, and then take those pairs of shoes off and leave those shoes as well at the doorway, and they get another pair of shoes and take those shoes off and put those at the doorway. So I've noticed that there are three pairs of shoes that belong to members of the house, and I would prefer that it was only one pair of their shoes that would be there. Um, again, that's, that's me and maybe uh, younger folk in, in the house. Um, new information. New information. Um, this is where you get to introduce people to the things that are happening in your lives. Uh, new information about me, I bought a Fitbit um, because I'm, I'm wrestling with my weight. And, and I like the competition side of things where I can uh, try to reach and beat yesterday's calorie and energy output. And so I'm, that's kind of a journey that I just have started in the new year, that I'm trying to be competitive in my steps and uh, my workout habits and my calorie intake. Uh, and hopes and wishes, as you get to introduce people to like, what are the hopes and the desires of your heart? Um, mine is, is very superficial, um, but I am a lifelong 49er fan, and I really hope that the 49ers win the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, I really do. Like, that is a wish. It would make my heart so happy since age 
five, I have been rooting for them. At five years old, I wrote a letter to the San Francisco 49ers saying, I am one of the biggest fans, and they sent me a gift package back to this five-year-old, and they have forever won over my heart. Man, that's, yeah, yeah, appreciations and excite, excitement. Um, I really hope the 49ers win. Um, but if they don't, then, um, yeah, it's going to be a complaint that I'll have. <laughs> why, why I take the time to do that is, is, again, I think that what James is introducing to us, again, is there's a way to how we can use our words to create an environment in in which we know one another, where we're open and honest about what we wrestle with. I think I used to read James chapter three much more in in hymns, like, like in a much more like instructive and even in a fierce kind of a way like almost in this condemning kind of tone, like, like, how dare you praise God and curse your brother at the same time? Like, but I think it's much more in the vein of which Paul writes at one point, like, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this, from this body of, 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 of death? I think it's much more of James dealing with the own, like, paradox that we all wrestle with, of him coming before us, like, listen, not all of you should aspire to be teacher, because we all make mistakes. And, and, and we have all used our words to damage like, not, like, who can, James is part of that statement. Like, him, he himself, like, has set the world afire with, probably with an ill-spoken word. He's, he's including himself in that. I think it's this own wrestling with, just like, man, we all, we've all glorified God and misspoken to others. I think what James is doing here is much more of this like vulnerable, honest, open, like, hey, our words can create a, a space for us to show the way of humility, to show the way of wisdom, to show the way of, of above. And then, so then he gets really practical in verse 17. He writes to us the way of God or the wisdom from above, is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, and it's gentle at all times, and it's willing to yield to others, and it's full of mercy and good deeds, and it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. I think that part of this, let's continue to keep it in the vein of him talking about the power of our words, that the way that we show up and, and instruct one another in the way of Jesus is, is going to line up with this. The way that we speak is going to line up with the ways from above. Can I just go through one, each one of these kind of one by one and explore each of those words, and then, and then we'll call it done for the morning. Um, the wisdom from above is pure. This is the word for, for truth. Meaning the way of God doesn't have shadows or facades to it. The way of God is authentic. 
And I think that in our relationships, this is expressed in us knowing others and being known by others. That we fight to not wear masks. But with, with our words, we invite others into the vulnerable and honest spaces of our lives. And what does that practically look like? It doesn't practically look like that you have to stand up in a public space and in front of everyone say, this is what I'm wrestling with, even though I did that this morning, right? But, but, but we would be a, a community where we are developing these, these deep abiding personal relationships, these friendships where we are committed to one another. And that, we, that there's, there's not a facade about us, there's not a mask wearing about us, but that, that the community of God would be a people in which we share our lives with each other. I, um, I'm going to skip that one, sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to keep us going for the morning. Uh, the next one is that the wisdom, the wisdom of God or the wisdom from above, is peace-loving. In, in our English language, I think the words that would better capture what's being communicated in this phrase, peace-loving, are the words whole, perfect, just. That's what it's being talked about in these words. For those that are familiar with the Hebrew word shalom, that is what's happening here. The way from above, the wisdom from above is peace loving. And I think that when I think about this, I recall that moment in the gospel narratives when, when Jesus is walking amongst the crowds and there's a blind beggar that's off to the side and he's yelling out, son of God, our son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowds are turning to that person and telling them, be quiet. And in that moment, what Jesus does is that he acknowledges that person and he heals them. That's the way of peace. It's this person who, has been, who Jesus sees has been disregarded and devalued by others, has been not only ignored, but condemned by others, and he notices them, goes out of his way, and he, he, he speaks a word of validation to that person, and he also brings healing to their whole body. That's the way of peace. And that's to be, that's to be a, a way about how we treat one another. The wisdom from above is gentle. And I think that what, what, that we're encouraged to think here when you look at this word, it's the way of patience. That's what the way of, of being gentle is. There, there's not a propensity to agitation or hurriedness about us. The opposite of this would be how I can tend to act with my boys when I'm trying to get them out of the house to get to school. Come on! How many times do I have to say, get your shoes on? Right, like that kind of a, 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 a not gentle posture that can happen in the morning sometimes, that non-gentle, just like, like just this, this underlying frustration and agitation and hurriedness that can sometimes overtake us and learning that sometimes the way that we speak to others or, or the, way that, the way that we are experiencing others a lot of times says a whole lot about the posture of our hearts and not necessarily about how they're acting. 
That's the way of gentleness. It's this way of, of recognizing that there is a patience about us. There, there is there's a long-suffering and there's a kindness that goes about us. It, it's the way that we think about how gentle our Heavenly Father is with us over the, over the length of our lives. The wisdom from above is willing to yield to others. And this, what's, what's being described here, is an approach to life where we are inclined to listen to the views and reasonings of others. The opposite of this would be the YouTube comment section. The, the opposite of this would sometimes be Facebook and Twitter threads and dialogues. But, but James tells us that, that our words and the way about us is that we're actually able to, be, to, to sit and be present with others, their vantage point, what they're experiencing, and actually know them and not just be quick to respond with how we think things should be. The wisdom from above is full of mercy and good deeds. Um, maybe you've been around people where everything they say is so negative or so demeaning. Others will say something and they are quick to correct them with a tone in their voice that is so dismissive or judgmental. That would be the opposite of this, right? The, the, the wisdom from above is, is compassion. It's, it's, it's gentle. It's merciful. It's, it's loving. It's compassion in action. That there's an evidence to the transformation that is happening within us. And then the last one is, is that the wisdom from above, and I'm using the new Revised Standard Version, the way that they talk about it, or the way that they translate this little word here. Um, the wisdom from above is without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. The picture in my mind here is of Jesus determined to bless the children while the disciples are trying to send the parents away. There's no partiality in Jesus, that he is so quick to, to see the undervalued in society. And I think what this practically looks like is that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, um, I've done this wrong before where, I, in one way, you know, my boy, I'll be in a conversation with some people, with some adults, and my boys will come up and they'll interrupt the conversation, and I'll stop and I'll turn to them and I'll say, hey, I'm talking to someone right now, I see you and I'll talk to you. But then on the flip side, I've had kids talking to adults and I've come and I've interrupted and just started talking to the adult while the kid was telling a story. And I think that what James teaches us here 
is that there's not this partiality about us. But the way that we speak to one another embodies this value that we have for the whole body of Christ. There's not, there's not a partiality about us. There's not a favoritism. And so just the way that we wouldn't interrupt two adults talking to one another, that we wouldn't cut off a kid as he's talking to, a, to, to an adult, but we would sit and we would enjoy what's flowing out of the heart of that child. Let's wrap it up from reading from the Apostle Paul. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1, and 1 through 5. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you of God's secret plan or the mysteries of God. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And what I hope is being built amongst us as a community of followers of Jesus is the way that we would arrive with one another always has this message about us and this way about us. We are regular, ordinary people relying on the power of God in our lives. We are a people who recognize that it is in our weaknesses that the power of God is displayed. We're not trying to be impressive. We're not trying to be unique. We're not trying to use lofty speech to show each other the way of, of, of Jesus, but we revolve around the story of the cross and we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I hope is formed amongst us. That we would hope to be this authentic, plain, ordinary people who know each other in our weaknesses and we are committed to love one another in those spaces because it's in those spaces that we will see the power of God shine through. That it's in those spaces that we will see his glory and his wisdom being demonstrated through us. And our words are meant to be used to invite others into the ordinary, humble, vulnerable, and weak places of our lives. That we can actually see a community formed amongst us where we know those things about one another and we love each other. And we love each other. And, and, and the glory of God is seen in that space amongst us. Let me pray. Father, I just ask that there
that what we would see in you is that that we are encouraged to be vulnerable and real and honest about the things that we are facing in lives in our lives. Father, I just I think about that that word in in the book of Hebrews that um, we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. And and what we constantly discover in you is that we can we can bring before you our weaknesses, our vulnerabilities, the places in which we are, have, have longings and disappointments. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room, for those that are walking through different points of, of pain, of frustrations, of disappointments, of hurts, uh, of longings, um, that they'd come boldly before your throne of grace this morning and that they would find help in their time of need. Father, I pray that we, you would be developing amongst us here in this community called faith is, is, a, is a people with deep, good, joy-filled, abiding friendships. Father, I pray that we, you would be building here in this space is a community of people that can be real and honest and vulnerable with one another. And that as, as we live that way, that what we would find happen amongst us is that, that there would be these encouraging, loving spaces that get developed amongst us. That, that what would happen is, is, is that was we're ready and, and willing to, to share and, and trusted and and, and growing friendships is, is that what we would discover in those spaces is, is a demonstration and expression of your love for us, of your mercy and your grace over our lives. Father, I, I just, I've just been thinking about how there are so many lonely people in the world around us. And, and we, don't, we don't recognize it. Father, I think that maybe that's, you know, for, for us and in our context here in, in, in America is, is when you talk about the, the harvest is being ready, they're white and ready for harvest. One of the things I've been thinking about, Lord, in my own life is that there's a lot of people in, in our neighborhoods that are looking for community. That they're looking for a space in which they can be known and loved. A space in which, which there's real genuine joy. And, and Father, my prayer, my hope, my wish <laughs> uh, for, for this community called Faith is that we would be a space in which those, are, the, those that are longing for community could find it here. But Lord, we say start with us. Start, start in our own hearts and start in our own friendships and relationships. Let us, let us be a people that are, are seeing you, the power of your spirit forming a good and healthy and whole community here. And, and so we pray that in, in Jesus' name. Amen.